Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. We posted that video Wednesday saying we were $7,400 away. And, you know, when we put this goal out there, initially 20K, we're like, wow. I mean, that's... Year one, 20K, just taking 20K, like just taking it and going to try to create conversations with people and love people. I mean, it was, it was a faith type of position, if you say the least. And right, so we're just a few days away and we're $7,400 away, okay? We just started raising this capital just a few weeks ago. And so, yeah, just a feeling, you know, your heart's beating a little bit, but you're like, okay, we're out here in the faith zone. There's no more comfort. Show up. Something's got to happen here, right? And so we post that thing, and next thing you know, I get a phone call from a business owner that's like, hey, we're in for um, three grand. Another person's like, hey, we're in for a grand. And then now we fast forward all that just a few days uh, since that video posted, and now we're $300 away from 20K. Like, seriously. $300. And you know what that tells me? It tells me three things. It tells me first that God is faithful when his kids step out in faith. He loves, he loves faith. He loves it. You can't outgrow faith. He wants to see his kids say, you know what? You know when people say, um, God never gives you more than you can handle? Lies. God always gives you more than you can handle in certain times in your life. That time you'll cry and say, I need you. Otherwise, you'll be like, man, I got this. Remember, you may be strong. No, we're, when we're weak, we're strong. It's our position in Christ that gives us strength. It's Jesus' power flowing through us. So now as we uh, fast forward in $300 away, first, he's faithful. Second, it says that God is doing something super unique in city life. The fact that he would see our expression of how he's birthed us to display who he is to a city to a state, to a nation, and to a world. There's many different types of expressions in the body of Christ. And God has many different expressions because he longs for people to come back home. He wants people to know that they're loved, that they can belong, and that they have purpose in him. And that they can have freedom and forgiveness from sin. And what happens is is that liberates people in such a profound, powerful way. And so that's the second thing, is that God has gifted us uniquely, and that's what we see. When we see a sign like that, like, okay, 20 grand, one week, we're going out to love the city. Man, that tells us that God is doing something unique here in this particular way, and that he's honoring how he's um, convicted us, and that if we would just continue to be on our face before him, be ruled and guided by the scriptures, and we'll find ourselves... Uh, just in the, it, riding a wave that we didn't create. And then thirdly, I think what it also says is how much God loves the city here in Lansing. And he loves you and he loves me. Is that he's trying to create conversations and open up doors that so many people have shut for too long. I remember it was Easter Sunday, an individual uh, that we were tutoring in, um, at Eastern High School obviously became a friend, comes to City Life sometimes. The first time they came was Easter Sunday. And they knew us at Eastern, didn't know us anything to do with City Life, knew us as rappers, started following us online, knew us as musicians, different types of things, knew us dressing like this at Eastern, right? Like showing up, we got the Nikes on and, you know, love the city shirts or City Life or just different types of shirts on and just just basically being so totally relevant. And what I thought was so interesting because Easter Sunday, there was a message that came through and it said, what should I wear to City Life? What that communicated 
was how far the chasm is and how big the wall is. This is somebody that has interaction with us, knew what we're like, and still said, what do I wear when I come there? What does that say? A lot of the preconceived ideas we have about Jesus. How do I have to come to show up? What do I have to do to get right? Will he take me as I am? And sometimes it's not an honor and respect too. Like how do I, you know, fit in and, and, and how, how do I honor and be upstanding and upright? But there's also a deeper thing that goes on in all of us, which is what we believe to be true about God. I was talking to a family member this week and going through some really tough situations and breaking my heart and, um, and just talking about how they were in the MRI and, and then the MRI is going around them and <laughs> they experience uh, feeling what it's like to be claustrophobic on just legendary proportion. I had to hit the eject button the first time and they had to give the pills to kind of make it uh, smooth and the next step would have been sedate. And they said this, they said, I went through every canned prayer I knew. I went through the hallowed prayer, you know, like, Lord, lay me down to sleep. I went through every prayer and I got to all the prayers I knew and by the end of it, I didn't know any more prayers. And I thought it was so interesting because that's what we think about God sometimes. What's the canned prayers? We all do it. Like, what's the right response? I bet if we went around this room and we started asking people to pray, pray, what happens is our language changes, our tone, our nuances change. So how God sees us. What does Jesus do when he shows up on the scene? What would Jesus do when he's loving a city? How would he respond? Where would he go? How would he act? What would he want us to do to communicate with him? Now, does that say that there is not uh, important priority on us learning who God is and rightly dividing God is? Absolutely. But that comes out of a place of relationship acceptance and truly knowing what it means to be saved and set free. Because when good news shows up on the scene, it changes everything. Hence the reason for Love the City this week. We're going to look at Mark chapter 2. Jesus, I love the uh, gospel of Mark. It's short, it's condensed, and it's power-packed. There's four different gospels, and all stories of truth of who Jesus is, of eyewitness accounts, writing, affirming that this one individual is who he said he is. He's the Messiah. He's the one that would set us free and he would bring us back, stop the chasm, stop the wall, stop this gap and get us back into right standing with God. That his sin has separated us back all the way in the origin and that in the final end, that when we're with God again, was made right through Jesus. So God is pleased to display all of the glory in his son of how that would work. And I was thinking about this this week that God chose to have us redeemed through a father-son interaction and through the death of his son, and not just the death of his son, but the punishment that we deserve that he poured on the wrath that was due the punishment for sin on his son. And that grabs our attention because God could have used any different way. He didn't, one, he didn't have to save us. So people say, well, why would God, you know, punish good people? Well, there's only one good person he's ever punished, and that's his son. None of us are good. We're all broken. Okay, so that's how we come into the, the, the arena, if you will. Guilty, broken. And he used that, I believe, and this is just kind of maybe just a Jerome paraphrase. I use that because there's nothing more captivating that grabs your heart. He didn't just leave us there. He pursued us, and then he took his prized possession for us. 
and it grabs your heart because if you have to give up one of your own, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. He went out against, he went out again beside the sea and all the crowd was coming to him and he was teaching to them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi the son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. And as he reclined at the table and at his house, many tax collectors and in his house and many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples for there were many who followed him. So when we see tax collectors, we have to zoom in a little bit there. Tax collectors are not well-respected individuals in the culture. In fact, they're used by the government. They have contracts with the government to basically go and collect the taxes that are owed and then anything on top of that you can keep. So you can imagine how shady and messy this is getting, right? It's getting very messy, very quick. And not only are they going out to collect taxes and collect capital, but what's happening is they're also a representation of the authority that's in place. And this is the authority that oppresses people. This is the authority that they probably have family members that have been negatively impacted by this system in place, by these tax collectors. You think a credit phone call person is bad, looked at as bad, right? Anyone ever been in credit debt? I mean, you ever got that phone call? You have no clue what that phone call is like. Okay, I remember when I came to the Jesus, team came, uh, Jesus grabbed me and changed my life. I had like, you know, 10 grand in debt, and they were calling me all the time. And it took some years to get out of that, but they make you feel really bad, okay? They're like, wow, I just cannot believe you're this type of citizen, Mr. Veerling. Mr. Veerling, do you realize what you're doing right now? I'm like, I, what do you mean? And, the, and it's like, you're fighting with them. They're trained to get you to think, I'll do anything just to pay them, and you never call me again, okay? That is, that is what they're trained to do. And so as aggravating as that phone call was for me, it's exponentially more aggravating in the culture of how people would look at a tax collector. So when Jesus is showing up with tax collectors, he's got any tax collectors following him. He's teaching and he's going and he's moving. And he hasn't risen from the dead yet, okay? Something profound about him. He's doing many signs and wonders and people are seeing him and they want to follow him. And it says this, for there were many who followed him in the scribes of the Pharisees. So these are the teachers. These are the ones that institute the religious order. These are the ones have us thinking, what should I wear to church? What is God like? What's his laws like? What's his rules like? They're implementing that. And at some point, it started from a, probably a great desire to know God and to, to, to see his kingdom come and that his law is perfect and it is just and it is beautiful. But over time, what happens is when you get some power, it can go to your head. You ever had a title that got a little bigger as you went through the ranks? Maybe at your job, you start to feel a little posture differently. You know, sometimes I can feel that nudge when, the nudge when people say, oh man, he's the, he's the pastor. I'm like, Pfft. Really what that means is just somebody who's under Jesus as the chief shepherd. He's the chief pastor. He's the supreme leader. And that God would gift the leaders here, the elders, the teachers, and all the different giftings to equip the body of Christ so that we would reflect who he is. So it looks a little different in God's kingdom. It's an upside down title. It's an upside down leadership perspective. And so the posture of every great leader, servant leadership, there's books out this from the military to sports to business, and every great leader should be one leader that empowers people because it's about people. 
But we have this nature inside of all of us that wants to tug and wants to go in a different direction. Hence where you see, when you see scribes of the Pharisees, this is what you're seeing. Power trip individuals. When they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, he said to his disciples. So check this observation out. He's, they're looking and observing that Jesus smells like the people that they don't necessarily think are of God or that God's kingdom would associate with. Even though that God was trying to restore, if they were to really look at the scriptures, they would see there's this narrative of God pursuing people and then it's this mosaic, this beautiful mosaic that's being painted and, and it's, uh, we're seeing this grand uh, narrative taking place and ultimately Jesus shows up on the scene in this, this profound desire to elect people and to see them set apart for God's intended purposes for all of eternity. That there would be a new heavens, there would be a new earth, there would be this new city that we dwell with God again. It's a mystery, but it's so beautiful. The clues are everywhere. And as they look and they see, well, Jesus, he smells a little different, walks a little different, and I'm not sure why he's associating with them. But boy, we've heard he's really smart, and he has a way with words. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, I love this response. Many times he responds with the question. And here's the response Mark records. Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. There seems to be a contrast, direct opposition that Jesus is drawing a line in the sand. I didn't show up on the scene. I didn't come down and want to please my father because I'm trying to find righteous people. So I'm not trying to hang around those that think that they're good. I'm trying to hang around with those that know they need help. So the question one would ask is, how does one become righteous? And who is a sinner? Is there two different types of people? Am I a sinner or am I righteous? Well, we learn and we know that everyone is a sinner. All have sinned, were born into sin, and all fall short to the glory of God. The glory of God is perfect. He is perfect. And we have rebelled, and that has created this great divide. Well, why would there be people that think they're righteous then, if everybody knows that? And here's why. Our heart. Because sometimes we believe we don't need help. It could be a title, it could be a position, it could be how we dress, what we think is successful, and then therefore we find ourselves now creating this huge gap that Jesus came to show up because we're not only already enemies of him, we're continually just punking him out, saying, no, I don't need you, I'm right in my own power. I'm a good person, I'm a good person, I'm a good person. Man, he's a good person, he's a good person, she's a good person, she's a good person, he's a good person. Well, yeah, better than some. What is the definition of a good person? Jesus, when he shows up, he's not just seeing your actions. He's seeing your thoughts. That's a scary thought, isn't it? <laughs> Somebody's thought? Whoa. I don't know about you, but this week I had some thoughts. I had some thoughts. Anybody had any thoughts? I had some thoughts. Thoughts. Pharisees thought it was just about weight. I thought you do not commit adultery. And Jesus says, if you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. What about it? It's just don't kill your brother. He says, if you have hate in your heart, it's like murder. 
what? Like Stevie said, what kind of God is this? This is what's so beautiful. What kind of God is this? A God that sees and knows all of that and knows we're guilty, yet sees us as sinners and says, I'm coming to you and I'm gonna give you brand new life. What kind of God is this? What kind of God is this? We thank God he loves us sinners enough to come to us. That's the gospel. That's the good news. The bad news is so bad. The bad news is that it doesn't matter how good you dress, doesn't matter what you do, you'll never be right, you'll never be good enough. It's the gospel, bookend to bookend. It's the whole story about Jesus. And we're continuing what God is doing until he comes back and he returns. And that's why we pray, Lord Jesus, come, because we still feel pain. We still have thoughts. And we have this groaning and this wrestling because there's these two worlds colliding. That's what's happening, these two worlds colliding. I really believe too often is that people, they've never got to hear an authentic contextual expression of who Jesus is or a demonstration or presentation, proclamation, use any word, insert anything you want. They've never got to hear who Jesus is in a way that they understand because what's screaming at him is such the tradition, such the gap, such the clothing, such the weight. I thought I got to get ready to be at the doctor. Anyone ever been to the dentist and you got to brush your teeth because you don't want your breath to stink right before you go to the doctor? Dentist. I mean, I try to go into the restroom every time and just pray that they have Listerine. I ate garlic one time before going to the dentist. I was just like, oh, I'm so sorry. This is horrible. That's how we think sometimes how God is. And so people need us to rip that down. And then once they realize that Jesus is better than addiction, he's better than hate. He offers forgiveness. He offers love. He is very just. There's conviction. And sometimes it's mistaken for condemnation. That feeling, oh, it just kind of hurts. Or throughout the week, like, oh, I don't know if I, I want to go and be a part of what's going on. It's like, it's condemnation sometimes. Trying to keep us away from the thing that can bring us fulfillment, bring us freedom, bring us power, bring us hope, bring us complete restoration in who Jesus is. He wants to reach sinners. And of all of that, that's all of who we all are. All of us. And here's the beautiful thing. Once we put our faith into the work in the perfect, finished work of Jesus, of who he is. The scriptures and eyewitnesses attest that he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, performed many signs and wonders to confirm that he was the Messiah. He fulfilled all of scripture. He died on the cross, rose on the third day, and that eyewitnesses and many saw him, 500 plus, of who he was. And then that's what happened. Because if he rose from the dead, 1 Corinthians 15 say, if he rose from the dead, then that is new life for us. We have an eternal, imperishable body that death has no sting over us anymore. That we have power from high. That we can be convicted and speak with boldness in a way that doesn't model the kingdom of this world. And if he didn't, then it's all a joke and it's all a sham. And as one person who's went from sinner to saint, not based upon anything I've done, but everything that he did, it's not a sham. He's beautiful. He's completely different. And he wants to tell people that they're loved, that they belong, and that they have purpose. You don't have to be special to receive and give love. You just have to be available. We've been saying a lot in this season is just show up 
and watch what God does. Just get in the gym. Start training and watch what God does. Just show up. Be available. God's not looking for special people with special backgrounds, with special degrees. He's not looking for those things. He's not impressed with what we have. He's not impressed with how you drove here. He's not impressed with your house. He's not impressed with any of your techniques. He's not impressed with how much you're going to give to love the city. He's not impressed if you sign up and you serve every single day. He's just not impressed with it. We don't have, that doesn't make us superstars. What makes us beginning and end finished is who Jesus is and then who we say he is and our faith in him. We don't have to be special for that to receive that. And we don't have to be special for that to give that. It's just one person trying to tell another person that there's a great, 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 great story going on. There is a great, great, great story. So our aim is this. Our aim is to love, not to be liked. Because we don't need to be liked. We're already loved. In 1 Timothy 1, 5, it says, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And so that we're saying, okay, God, apart from you, I'm a sinner. But in you, you say I'm loved. You say that I can cry out Abba, which means the most intimate term that we could cry out to with God. That we are sons and daughters of the king. When's the last time you saw yourself as royalty? When's the last time you saw yourself as, an, as heirs? As you saw yourself as an inheritance? That you are Christ's inheritance. That when he comes back, he gets us, and he's excited about that. It's kind of crazy. Like, why? He came down. He comes with us. He eats with sinners, and he makes them saints. We're not saints by what we do. We're saints by who he is and by who we, and who, how we say who he is. So we might not be liked always. They might think we're weird sometimes, and that's Okay. Uh, when we show up in their particular se settings, it does something. You have a secret weapon. You don't have to look like anyone to bring the secret weapon of God. You can look completely different. When we show up in neighborhoods and that, that are really rough and really struggling, we went to one um, party store that's been closed several times just the other day, and um, we, we walked in there, and they, reop they reopened it recently. It didn't have a lot of products there. It's just, you know, kind of like... Just, it's just not a lot of people are going there, okay? And, but, but thank God, uh, God wants to go there. And so we show up and we just start talking. We say, hey, this was going on. We got this one-year celebration. We got our birthday coming up. We want to bring all the kids. And, and then uh, Rhett that was with me was like, remember we did the sports camp? Uh, and the, the kind of head went down. was like, oh, yeah, we missed that. And we're like, it's okay. Come to the one-year. Really? Yeah, well, can we bring flyers and put them here? Yeah, I can get a bunch of kids from the neighborhood. It'd be great if you guys came here. And it was so awesome because as we drove away, it felt, it just... It was so powerful that God cares about the, the marginal, what people would think. That's where he recruits. That's where he sees as optimal. Because too often, the lofty, the, 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 the people that come from a top tier, they think they're righteous. And it takes something in life to break us down. God uses many people from this type of tier, if we're judging on tiers. But he sees it as all one, but he wants all of our hearts submitted. He wants all of our hearts broken before him and repented and to let people know that there's a greater story, Jesus. There's a greater story than addiction. There's a greater story than marital problems. There's a greater story than people having fights and anger and resentment. There's a greater story. I didn't hear the story of Jesus. I heard first I was recruited to sell drugs. Sounded fun. It did. 
I didn't hear the story of Jesus, but I, I, you know what I heard? I heard, man, we could go out and hang out with girls. It sounded fun. I didn't hear the story of Jesus, but I knew that there was rappers that would, that would give us a bunch of drugs and say, hey, why don't you come get some studio time? You get to make music with us, but you just kind of, like, just come back and you get to pay us. And, and then what happens is, it's kind of like, we're, we're like, you know, in their system now. There's no greater story because you know what? The enemy has a way of recruiting people that want to be recruited. People long to belong. Why do people join gangs? They long to belong. Why do you hang out with the friends you hang out with? You long to belong. Why are you mad that no one's hanging out with you? It's because you long to belong. So it's it's all an issue of love. And we want love that just feels good. Love doesn't always feel good. Love corrects us. Love teaches us. Love confronts us. Love is hard. Love is challenging. But there's a greater story. And I believe this. When people get an opportunity to hear the greater story and the Holy Spirit's at work and illuminates that and shows them something powerful in a way and it's this miracle that happens, which is salvation. And us that are convicted, live it out and try to do our best, not because we're trying to just, hey, let me please you, but more out of just response because I want more people to know you. I want more kids to come back home. Because if it's true that kids are away from home and they'll be away from home forever, this is way crazier than sharing, there's a missing kid, will you share this on Facebook? There's missing people that aren't tight with God forever right here in the city that are in dead-end streets that nobody goes to. They don't know. They don't know that, that they're loved. And that story, I got to meet the lady that he called. That's a miracle. Like, hey, they, Family Dollar, they stopped by my house to want to clean it. I got to meet her yesterday talking about God. It was so cool. It was so amazing. This week, we got to just get a glimpse of all that God's doing in such the unique way that he wants to use us, we um, created some, uh, um, uh, or we had, a, we had a team that gave breakfast for Fairview, and then we had uh, lunch for Pat and Gil here. And so they went over the loudspeaker, it was at Pat and Gil here for lunch, and the lady's like, we got City Life Lansing here today. They don't just have refreshments, they got a whole spread, they got Jimmy John's, they got all kinds of stuff. Why don't you guys come down, we're going to eat some food together, and it'll be a great time. So we start coming, we're just totally being like, hey, just eat your food, we're off. Like, you guys, we love you, take a gift bag. And the teachers are sitting down, they're like, come here, why are you guys doing this? We're like, look, too often... Uh, teachers, one, I mean, you're shaping the minds of the future, uh, but in the inner city, you're, you're, you're overlooked, you're underpaid, and that's true about teachers everywhere, that they're overlooked and underpaid, and, but the terrain and the, uh, the demographic and the, the stuff that you're having to deal with on a daily basis, you're under-resourced, and we just wanted to say, we believe in you, we're for you, and welcome back to the school year, and this lady starts crying, and her other friend starts crying. She goes, nobody thinks about us. It's right here. Nobody thinks about us. Thank you. Another lady was like, this is my church now. And then they say, she stood up, they stood up and they're like, hey, why don't you guys introduce what you're doing? And so we start telling what we're doing. We start telling about Love the City and, and we start telling about all the, that's going on. So we all get to play a part in this. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pass out some cards this morning. Because I realize that everyone has, not everyone can take the whole week off. Not everyone's like some of the interns and have a flexible schedule and uh, you have kids, you have families. And so oftentimes we can feel like, oh, I'm not part of it. I'll tell you what, if a football uh, team can operate in a way that everyone feels a part of it, and what I mean by that, the water boy feels a part of it, the person that cuts up film feels a part of it, because they all love football. So if they all feel significant, then by all means, God's body should feel significant, that all the roles are different, all of the time looks different, but we can each play a part. So we're going to pass out these cards, and we're all going to get to write a thank you card to somebody in the city this week. 
We got pens, cards, just, just start passing those out as quick as you can. And, uh, and this is just a small way that we can all play a part and have more stories like the teachers at Pattengill and have more stories like the lady at the Family Dollar and have more stories. So some will be able to give more, some will be able to give more time, some will be able to give more prayers, but I pray that we would all be swept up with what God is doing this week in this city. That God would grab our hearts to wanna to get closer and to come down and get present with where people are. And here's what we're gonna write on these cards. We're gonna write, you are loved, belong, and have purpose. We hope this small gift brightens your day. And this just put City Life Lansing. That begins conversations that lead to remarkable life change. The gospel is still the only thing that will save and redeem men and women, men meaning all people. But it's good works many times that can start to grab someone's attention, that can lead to goodwill, that can help pull down a lot of these barriers. Like, where you guys been? Where's the church been? Why aren't you here? Do you care about injustice? Yes. Do you care about all the issues going on? Yes. And then what happens is, is we can then proclaim good news. We can tell them the greater story. Tell them what's going on. And that people would repent and confess to know God. So just as, as quick as you can, write that down. Or, I mean, some people's penmanship will be horrible. Some people's will be good. And once you get done, uh, the team will, you can, will, will, you can put those in the offering bucket at the end, in the giving bucket. And uh, that's just a way to say we're unified. And maybe, pr- maybe even pray over the card. Not to be weird and some hocus pocus thing, but like God hears prayers and, and our heart's desire is that this would change somebody's life is that somebody would start to look at Jesus for who he is and let him grab him and love him and, and that they would want to follow him. So I want to take a moment as you're doing that. We're going to pray. We're going to pray for Love the City this week. Go right down to prayer. And so maybe I'll, I'll just pray because people are probably still writing that. So my fault. We'll take that back. And we're going to pray to love the city and also pray for, for us because we are love the city. That's you. That's me. We are love of the city. It's love people. God cares about cities because that's where people are coming and that's where people are going. And that's what's going on. It's the capital. They're renovating. And so for us, we should not be the last to the party. Our God is the one that throws the party, hosts the party, and the only way that the party will have any life, he's the party host. He's the one throwing the party. So when we say come party with us, what we mean is come hear the gospel. So, right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for uh, Love the City. We thank you for, uh, it's, it's your vision that you've been stirring up. It's your mission. You care about people. We thank you that you're faithful enough that when we're, it seems crazy to trust you, for such a big number because we want to get closer to people right where life exists. You show up and you show off and you get all the credit. We thank you for that. God, for the single mom we're gonna meet this week, we pray that something supernatural would happen in our hearts. For the dad that is not present, that he would wanna get more involved. 
And for the neighborhoods that feel that there's violence and tension and they don't know there's a greater story, I pray that they would start to feel hope again, take ownership, and realize that Jesus is better than anything Satan has to offer. That there would be freedom. God, we pray that there would be a boldness. Not some, some people, they won't know what to say, but you'd give each one of us a posture and a love that comes and, and, and invades each particular place we're at, that we would be faithful. And God, I pray that we would remember the whole time that we're loved. That we're loved. And that what we do doesn't impress you. We're impressed by Jesus. And therefore, we just want to go do. We need you for this mission. We need you to lead the way, lead the charge, help with all the organizational details. I pray that you would knit hearts in the city. I pray that you would grow the body of Christ all in this region and the world through this. That even those that are like, I, I can't make it to city life. I'm not in that part of town or whatever. That they would get plugged in to a biblical church. that the only strings each person feels this week is strings straight from your throne into their heart. Piercing through the differences, piercing through the walls, piercing through the gap and the bridge, piercing through every lie that they're believing. I can't go there, I'm not good enough, I can't cross that side of the tracks, I can't ever be accepted, I've been abused, I've been hurt, that they would start to have a connection with you in a way that's just so powerful. And they'd have a hunger and a thirst for your word to get connected, to, to grow, to be in community, to love one another. And God, everything we just prayed for everyone in the city, I pray that we would recognize we need it to be true in us too. And so for every person in this room that comes in with hurt, that comes in with brokenness, that comes in with pain and sorrow and confusion, comes in with all of this, these different intersecting points, that we would come together unified for your purposes, that we would let you heal us, that we would say, what kind of God is this that would want to be a friend with me? And that you would start to give new vision, give new life, bring dead things alive, make all things new in our marriages, in our relationships, in our addictions. Start to give us strength. Give us the boldness that we can confess what we're struggling with, confess our issues. Even in today, that there would be interactions between individuals. Maybe they don't even know each other, but they just feel drawn to talk to one another. Some of that looks different than them. Some of that... Maybe in our mind just doesn't add up. But that would be the very individual that we would run to. Begin that dialogue. And it starts with the simplest, what's your name? That we would all say, yes, Lord, we're following you together. So have your way and love the city this week. 
have your way with the one-year celebration next Sunday. And God, let this be a marathon. This wouldn't be a week. This wouldn't be a moment. This wouldn't be something shiny that we just do and we say, oh, we got some cool pictures. But this would spark something throughout the whole city. It'd be contagious. That more people would want to volunteer in the schools. More people would want to help in the tough areas that people are going through. All week long, throughout rhythms of hard work and rest, but all unto you. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city, one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.